It is so good to have with us Evangelist John Carter, amen, again tonight. And I said it last night, we're thankful for him, amen, and not just uh, the Kingdom Connection, but he's part of our family. He may live way up there in Kentucky, almost in Tennessee, amen, uh, up in a mountain, amen, praise the Lord. But uh, I'm thankful for the kindred spirit tonight, amen. And again, I said last night, uh, we're so thankful for him. Amen. And he, uh, in the few years that he's been coming, amen, and being with us, he's became one of Jude Tabernacle's favorite evangelists, amen. And uh, I really need that, and I know that the congregation does too, amen. So uh, it's a privilege to have him back with us tonight, amen. I want you to give the Lord praise and make him welcome as he comes tonight, amen, to bring the Lord of God. Come on, let's bless the Lord with him. I will bless the Lord, all oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Come on, this last night of revival. I don't have to be here one night, but if you have received, if you have been touched, if you have been changed, let's lift our hands to heaven. Let's raise our voices. And let's magnify the Lord on this last night of the gathering. Of the gathering, it's not the last time of revival. Real revival continues. Real revival perpetuates. True revival grows. And the greatest mark of revival is not what happens here, but what we take with us to our homes, to our jobs, to our schools. Come on, let's praise Him for revival in this place. Come on, one more time. Just lift your hands, lift your voice. Welcome the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thankful for what God has done, the, the souls that have been saved, the ones that have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, the bodies, the minds, the spirits that have been healed. Those that have stepped out into new realms of the things of God. Those that have gotten the push that they need. That reminds me of one of my favorite stories. I love, I love little stories that have that hidden meaning. But I heard a story once about a, a Texas billionaire that had a swimming pool. And he invited you know, some of his constituents, some of his partners over to his uh, uh, plush estate and they went behind the mansion and they saw the swimming pool but there was alligators all in the swimming pool ferocious and snapping and ugly and big and, and they said why in the world would you mar up this swimming pool with all these alligators he said well he said I am a man that was raised and puts a lot of stock in courage and it is known all over this region if somebody will jump in this pool and swim from one side to the other, I'll write them a check on the spot for a million bucks. Well, as they're walking away, they hear a splash, they hear screams, they hear kicking, they hear all kinds. They run back, and this guy, he is pushing and kicking alligators, and with every ounce of his being, he is trying to get to the other side, and he gets the other side, and just with some scratches, and you know, and, 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 and tired and gasping for air, he climbs out, and the millionaire runs over and said, my, 
Where did you get such courage out of breath? He said, I don't know, but I want to know who pushed me. Well, I wish you'd look over at somebody and say, if you didn't step in and get what God had for you, I pray the Lord pushes you tonight. I pray somebody pushes you in the deep end so that you leave here with something greater than what you came in. I wonder how many is going to get what God's got for you, whether you jump in or whether you're pushed in. How many he wants to not leave like you came in Jesus' name? Bibles. Turn with me to the Gospel of St. Luke. It's not what I planned. I came with an illustrated sermon. Thank the Lord I get to come back in the fall. Hopefully things go good tonight. Hallelujah. In the tent revival, maybe I can do that illustrated sermon because I really want to preach it. But all day, this particular text that I have not preached in years came back to my spirit in a different way than I had preached it before. And I feel compelled tonight to share the Word of God. I've got something straight from heaven, I believe, with all of my heart. And I'm going to announce, like Billy Graham once did from the very onset, I'm going to open this altar later. But unlike Billy Graham, this is not just for the lost. This is not just for those in need of salvation. In case you don't know, this altar is not just for somebody that needs saved. It is for the saints. It is for those that pursue after His presence. And the thing about His presence is this thing is rigged. You never fully catch it. Come on. It's always a pursuit. There's always a seeking. There's always a longing when you really want the presence of God. Paul said it this way. He said, I count myself not to have apprehended. I'm talking about Paul. Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He said, I ain't caught it yet, but I'm in hot pursuit for getting those things that are behind, reaching forth to those things that are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. In Christ Jesus. So we're going to dig a little deeper. We started out last night, and Dr. Feelgood was in the house last night. If you want Dr. Feelgood, go back and watch YouTube. Hallelujah. We're going to go deeper. How many of us go deeper tonight with him? Luke chapter 2, stand with me. I want to leave you with something on the last night of this series of meetings that I pray will stick. Luke chapter 2. We all know this is as the Christmas story. And I'm going to skip past the Christmas story. I know Christmas was last month. But we're going to skip past the Christmas story. I'm going to read... Possibly, to me, one of the most intriguing and baffling accounts, stories from the Word of God, particularly from the Gospels, just because of how out of place it seems, how random it seems, but it's there, and I believe it's there for a reason. Luke chapter 2, when you're there, shout amen. Amen. Verse 41 reads on this wise, now his parents went to Jerusalem Every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days. Somebody say fulfilled the days. Fulfilled the days. Tonight we fulfill the days of this particular meeting. Amen. As they return, we're going to go home tonight. The child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. 
And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. One of these days at Christmas time, I'm going to preach on Home Alone. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is the first form of calling cook. And amen. It was Jesus. Come on. Mary and Joseph. But they, here, here's a key word of this entire text. Supposing. Somebody shout supposing. Supposing. Him to have been in the company. Went a day's journey. And watch this. And they sought him. We talked about seeking him a moment ago. Where did they seek him? Among their kinsfolk and their acquaintance. Kin and friends. Some people, their entire Christian experience depend on kin oh, my goodness. and friends. Yeah. I told you Dr. Fieldgood wouldn't hear it tonight. That's I'm sorry. That was good. Come on. And when they found him not, they turned back again. Somebody shout, turn back again. Turn back again. To Jerusalem. Seeking him. Yeah. Said, I, we ain't going to find him amongst the kin and friends. We're going to turn back to Come Jerusalem, on. to the holy city. Yeah. And when we can't find him in the holy city, we're going to look in the holy place. Come, Come on, on, somebody. We ain't just seeking a, 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 a peripheral, second-hand experience. We are seeking him. Yeah. <laughs> it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple. Took them three days. Somebody look at somebody and, and say, one day is too long. One day without Jesus. After three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. Somebody shout, give me my amazement back. Give me my wonder back. Hallelujah. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? How many of y'all lost your kid? <laughs> and you've been looking for them three days. You're gonna be a little, y'all gonna be a little more tore up than that. Come on. <laughs> you're gonna say more than that. Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? How did you look for me? Wished ye not, did you not know? That I must be mm. about my father's yes. business. I have a question tonight. My, my message is in the form of a question. Remain standing. We'll go pray. But look over at your neighbor and just ask them, are you forgetting something? Are you forgetting something? We fulfill the days. The revival is, is over as far as the allocated meetings. We're going home tonight. But just lean over. Uh, we, we've had a good time. We've, we've had the sights. We've had the sounds. We've had the move. But just lean over and ask somebody, are you forgetting something? Uh, uh, are you forgetting something? Oh, it's quiet. Hallelujah. That's all right. I'm not intimidated because I know I heard from the Lord. Father, I come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. I ask you, Lord, to give me the kind of anointing that makes preaching effective. Let your word go forth in power and in demonstration. Speak to us. Lord, on this last night, uh, I did not have the majority of the nights. The brother came before me and he preached so powerfully, so anointed. But on this last night, I feel the weight of the responsibility in this meeting, this time that has been set aside to set the tone for the year of your people here at Judah Tabernacle. As I am the last voice that they hear, let it be a word that resonates, that 
sticks. God, help us to seek you like we have never sought before. And even though we love you, even though we have relationship with you, Lord, let the sobering fact that it is possible to leave you, it is possible to lose you, it is possible to disconnect from your presence. Let us be aware. Let us be alert. Let us be sober. Let us guard this experience that we have received this week as something more precious than gold. And I will forever give you the praise in Jesus' name. And God's people said Amen. Amen. You may be seated as you as you take your seat. Just lean over to somebody and just look at them and ask them, are you forgetting something? Are you forgetting something? At 45 years old, I'm more and more fascinated by how we spend our time. It's incredible when you realize, as you do the day-to-day, -day, it doesn't seem like a lot in a 24-hour period. But when you look back over a lifetime at what you spent your time doing, it is amazing. In a recent study, they said six months of your life is spent at stoplights. Oh, Lord. You spend six months of a lifetime at red lights. You spend eight months of your life opening junk mail. Mm -mm -mm. Think about that in the morning when you're deleting those emails that you get from random places out of your inbox. You spend two years returning phone calls. For some of you, it is more than that. Some of you, it's been ten years you spent on the phone. Four years you spend doing housework. Five years you spend waiting in line. Five years of your life. And you spend six years eating. <laughs> and this is the one that really caught my attention because I think this one really relates to me. You spend one year looking for misplaced objects. <laughs> now for most of you, probably a year. And Lee right now has put a paper to his face and he's whispering and what he's saying for, for John Carter, but when it's all said and done, it's probably going to be about 10 years that he spins and, and, and he, he's confirming it with signs and wonders over here. It, uh, 10 years probably is what I'm going to spend. Uh, uh, my, my grandfather used to say, John, you would forget your head if it was not attached uh, to your neck. Some of you can relate. But it's amazing uh, the things that I forget, the things that I eat. Every time I come back from the grocery store, I forgot something. Every time I leave, I'm a nervous wreck coming on a ministry trip because uh, I have that feeling down in my gut. I, I'm going through my mental checklist. Do I, do I have my belt? Did I get my dress shoes? Did I get all of the jacket? Did, did I get a little hanky to stick in there so I don't look? Too too bummified without a tie. Did I did I get uh, did I get my little collar stays that, that makes uh, my collar look look stiff? You know I, I I'm going through the mental and it never fails. I have forgot something, and 
spend sometimes hours looking for my wallet, looking for my keys, looking for my phone, even though sometimes I wish I could lose my phone for a week. Yes, oh. yes. Oh, maybe y'all don't relate to that. Oh, but it's amazing how that I can get my mind so fixated uh, on where I am going uh, that I forget the very thing I need to get there, my keys. I can get uh, my, my mind so fixated uh, on my destination, what I'm going to do, uh, that I forget the very thing I need most when I get there. My wallet, my ID. Oh, <laughs> How many Christian people forget uh, we get so caught up uh, in where God's taking us and where we're going uh, that we forget the very thing we need to get there. Prayer. The word of God. The anointing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, somebody. We forget what we're going to need when we get the ID. Who we are. Whose we are. What we possess. The anointing. The calling that we walk in. As a church, we get so busy building the kingdom that we lose the heart of the king. We get so busy doing the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work. Come on. My prayer every day is, God, I don't want to work for you to the point that I miss the work you're doing in me, that you're doing on me. Let all my work for you is in vain. Do I have a witness at Judah Tabernacle tonight? The text that lies before us has always amazed me. Very little have I heard it preached about. I remember it from Sunday school, from vacation Bible school, because it is the only glimpse that we get in all of the canon of Scripture of a young Jesus. We love to tell it in Sunday school because... It's the only time we see Jesus as a child. But that's what makes this story so baffling. So out of place. Can I use the word random to me? Come on. One minute he's being born. Uh -huh. The next minute we jump 30 years to his baptism. No record of his childhood. No record of his teenage years. No record of his 20s. We literally go from two gospel writers right about his birth. That's Matthew and Luke. And then we go straight to his baptism at 30 years old in the River Jordan. And the beginning of his three-year earthly ministry before his subsequent death and resurrection. We have a 30-year gap. It's called, it's called the loss time of Jesus. In fact, in what's called the lost books of the Bible, the Apocrypha, there are some that try to fill in gaps and fill in holes and, and, and even one of those writers in the lost, so-called lost books of the Bible, there's a story where Jesus was making little clay pigeons and he brought the pigeons 
to life. And there were 12 of them, but one of them had a broken wing, and that was supposed to be Judas. But I know that story can't be right because John, the one that laid his head on his breast, John that was with him all the way to Calvary and beyond, John said that the first, the beginning of his miracles was when he turned the water into wine at the wedding of Cain of Galilee. But you see, all through Scripture, all through the Bible, from birth to baptism, there is no record of what he did, of where he went, except for this one story. Mm -hmm. They go up, <clears throat> the custom was, it plainly says it. They go up every single year to the feast of Passover. Three feasts, and I love how this church honors the feasts every year. Three feasts, the men were commanded to go. But one feast, the entire family, the wife, and the children. This was the feast of the Passover. Jesus had went for 12 years to this feast, to this event. Can I, can I put it in modern terms? They went to the revival. Come on, come on. Or if you're real fancy, they went to the conference. They went to the retreat. Whatever the special meeting, the special season is. They went to the big meeting. They went to the revival. They were there every year. But this particular year is the only story, the only event that we get from the early life of Jesus. Why? Why was it placed there? Why would you just throw in this one little story and leave out everything else Jesus said? Everything else Jesus did for 30 years. Mom. Come on. Have I tickled your mind a little bit? Because it does me. I wonder why. It makes this story intriguing to me of its inclusion. Why? Because Luke, the physician, interviewed Mary to write his gospel. Why did Mary include only this story? And if she told other stories, why did Luke think this was the only one uh, that was important enough uh, to be read uh, and preached about over 2,000 years later uh, at Judah Tabernacle on the last night uh, of revival? I will tell you why. Because it demonstrates to us and it shows us that the ones that loved him the most, Mary, that carried him nine months, that gave birth to him in a stable, Joseph, who found out his wife to be was pregnant and it was not his baby. And even in the face of ridicule, even in the face of people looking at him like he had been hoodooed into a marriage where the child was not his. Even in the midst of all of that, when the angel said that this baby was conceived by the Holy Ghost, take Mary to be your wife. He did as he was commanded. He didn't ask questions. He obeyed. These were the very best that heaven had to offer. They were chosen to raise Jesus, to take care of him until his ministry began. And he died on an old 
talking about your salvation. I'm not even talking about your relationship. Even with him not in their presence, she was still his mother. Joseph was still his surrogate earthly father. Come on. The relationship was there. The love was there. But they were so called up. They were so distracted that they didn't even realize that his presence was not with them. They didn't even realize that the close fellowship was not there anymore. How many times are we caught up in the cares of this life? Are we distracted by the world? Distracted by these devices? Distracted by people? Even distracted by church and religion that we lose that close fellowship and connection that we once had with Jesus Christ. I wish somebody here would throw up your hands and speak a prayer if you dare. God, am I close as I need to be? Am I just coming to church and going through the motions without your glory, without your presence, without your touch? Yes, God. Come on. Yes. It's quiet, but that's all right. Because I came with a word tonight. Yes, amen. Come on. They came to the revival. Mm They got caught up in the sights and the sounds. They saw the sacrifice. They heard the music, the worship, the presence. Come on. They got caught up in everything that was going on. The sights, the sounds. But when it was over, they turned around and they went home. And Jesus was not with them. How many revivals have come and gone that we have enjoyed the music. We've enjoyed the preaching. We may have even came to the altar and cried tears and shouted with voices of triumph, worship and praise and ran and leaped and jumped and got caught up in all of the emotion of everything going on around us. And I am not questioning whether or not you got a touch, whether or not you received, but how many revivals did we walk out the door and the days were fulfilled, but we walked out the same way it began. We left Jesus right there where we experienced him and went right back to work, right back to school, and then we came to church Sunday and it was business as usual, just like there was no change, just like there was no different. But I wonder if there anybody in here that dares to believe this season is going to be different. I didn't just get something in this revival, but I'm taking Jesus with me. I'm not going to forget to carry his presence, to carry his unction, to carry his anointing into my school, into my job, into my house, into everything that I do. I wish somebody that says I want to do more than just come and be with him here, but I'm taking him home with me. Something with me into this year, into February 
want uh, Come on. to forget uh, what he has deposited, what he has bestowed, what he has given. How dare you accuse me of not having the fellowship, not having the connection. If Mary could do it, Come on. That carried him. That brought him into this world. Joseph could do it. Don't you dare think you're above. Don't you dare think you're beyond. How many preachers do it? How many whole churches do it? Oh, a church without his presence is just a theater. Come on, singing and preaching without his presence is just glorified entertainment. Come on, you can pump in all the smoke and fog you want, but it's no substitute for the Shekinah glory cloud. Oh, that fills the house. Come on. You can bring in the strong life, but it is no substitute for the life of the world that shines through the darkness. Oh, I wish somebody would go. I know it's a old fashioned, but say, take this old world, but give me Jesus. Come on. Religion and churchianity that I lose the very 
and didn't touch it all week. Oh, come on. I ain't never met a drug addict that rolled a joint on Sunday morning and smoked it and didn't smoke it the rest of the week. And then you think you can have a relationship with the creator of this universe, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and just show up on Sunday at 11 a.m. and have a true relationship with him and get all that he has got for your life. Come on, I wish somebody that wants a relationship deeper than church, deeper than the preacher, deeper than the...
Mosey, I thought you had him. Oh, I'm an Ohio aunt. Come on, we call my aunts. Uh, hallelujah. Y'all do aint too. Hallelujah, I'm good. I'm okay. I got Appalachian migrants in here. Praise God. Hallelujah. I got some mountain root people up in here. Praise God. Glory. Ain't Mossy, ain't Flossy, have you seen Jesus? Uncle Cleo, believe it or not, there was there's an Uncle Cleo. Look, look at Cleophus. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one that did it and walked all the way to a man with him and didn't even recognize him. His own uncle. Come on. Look it up. Uh, it's amazing how many people their entire Christian experience depends on what did it say? It said their kin and acquaintance. Kin and friends. Where people will go to a dead dry church for 20 years just because that's where mom and daddy went. Yep. Yep. Come on. Oh yeah. That'll fall out with the pastor or leave a church just because something their friend told them. Yep. Yep. Taking on somebody else's offense. Come on. Ain't nothing to do with the word. Ain't nothing to do with anointing. It's a family affair. Come on. It's all in the family. It's just friends. You want me to prove it? How many people will judge and pick apart and Pharisee everybody else until something happened in their family and all? And then we just supposed to turn the other head on. It's a different story altogether. Our entire relationship uh, is built on family and friends. But I grew up uh, when old time I said, Mama don't go, I'm a going on. If Daddy don't go, I'm a going on. If Brother don't go, I'm going on. If Sister don't go, I'm going on. If the preachers don't go, I'm going on. If my deacons don't go, I'm going on. Fixing with Jesus a long time ago. this world 
upside down like the apostles did. It's time to turn back to the altar, to turn back to righteousness, to turn back to that word. Oh, come on. Hollywood ain't got nothing that's going to change this world. Politics ain't got nothing that's going to change this world. It's time to turn back. Oh, the real thing. Come on. Oh, I'm not saying don't do y'all. Oh, misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't have, I love the life. I love the nice things where I love. I love all that stuff. But what I'm saying is don't let it be a substitute for the true presence of Almighty God. There comes a point in all the technology and all the modern stuff that we got to turn back and say it's time to bring back prayer. It's time to bring back the word. It's time to go back to the altar. It's time to go back to the holy place. It's time to go back. Oh, take me back. Unto the Lord. He hath 
smitten and he will bind us up. He has afflicted and he will heal us after two days. If a day of the Lord is in a thousand years and a thousand years, as one day, oh, we're living in the days of revival. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Come on, in this house today, say, Lord, I love you, but don't let me leave you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible said when they came into the temple where they had been many times before, when they saw the baby they had raised for 12 years, they were amazed. I wish somebody would up your hand and say, God amazed me again. I don't know what it was. After 12 years of diapers and snotty noses, come on, boo-boos, they lost the wonder. The star, the wise men, the shepherds, the angels, the glory to God in the highest was all gone. It had been 12 years of mundane, going through the motions. The delight had turned to duty. Come on, the wonder had turned to warfare. Uh, and many of you are in that place. It was wonder. It was amazement. When you got saved, just like the Christmas story. Oh, but after years of serving Him, you've been jaded by people. You've been jaded by social media. You've been jaded by, by church as usual. You've been jaded by all of the trappings. And tonight you say, I'm going to rediscover. I'm going to get my wonder back. I'm going to get my amazement back. I'm going to get my all back in His presence. Hallelujah. Across this room right now. Right now. If you're ready to turn back again. If you want more of Him. Tonight if you don't want just to leave this revival. At this altar tonight. And just go back to the same old, same old. Tonight you don't want to just leave Him at this meeting. And go back to the mundane. To the routine. But tonight you say I want to take something with me from this revival. I want to take more. I want to take that Holy Ghost I got the other night. I want to take it with me. I don't want it to just be a tongue and a shout in the altar. But Lord, I want it to keep me in the storm. Keep me at school. Keep me at work. Keep me when all hell is coming against me. How many want something that will keep you outside those doors? That will take you through the rest of this year all the way to fall revival? I want you to get out of your seat. That ought to be everybody. Get out of your seat and march to this altar and say, I'm not going to forget something. I'm not going to forget the key to my salvation. I'm not going to forget.